Welcome to our February 10th edition of Saturday Simulcast. Big show today. Ryan Newbert joins us in segment one. Chad Creel Brown profiled. Welcome to our February 10th edition of Golden Black Saturday Simulcast. Welcome to our February 10th edition of Saturday Simulcast brought to you by the Union Club Hotel, Boiler Up Bar, 811 Bistro, and Leaps Coffee. It's going to be a happening place in, at the Union Club Hotel tonight for Purdue, Indiana. I'm sure it's going on all throughout the day as well. Big show today. I want to thank our uh, guest, Brian Newbert, will join us in the first segment. Chad Q. Brown of ProfileBehavior.com. Uh, very interesting guest that we've had on before, working closely with Matt Painter in the Purdue Athletic Department. And then, of course, Gene Cady and Troy Lewis uh, will join us in the final segment as we get ready for a big night in Mackey Arena when Purdue takes on Indiana at 8 p.m. So have a great uh, rest of the show, and uh, we'll see you on the backside. It is always special when Purdue and Indiana play. Yeah. And yet the Boilermakers, what, won by 21, I believe it was, in, in Assembly Hall. Indiana got my attention a little bit by beating Ohio State and coming back when they were left for dead. Uh, but uh, do you see any scenarios where this game is is a 35- to 40-minute game on Saturday night? I mean, what does Indiana have to do to stay in the game? Yeah, I, I think that obviously – Things and rivalries can flip pretty quick, and yeah, many things happen. On paper, it wouldn't look like that's really all that strong a possibility. I think the Indiana comeback against Ohio State was double-edged sword because they also got down by eighteen. Yeah, what has been a very mediocre team this Big Ten season, and I think you probably want to point a finger at Ohio State as much as you yeah. want to credit Indiana for for that. I'm not taking away from what they did; that was a great win for them. Yeah. under the circumstances and some measure of proof that they have impacted in for the season. Um, but I think what you saw in Bloomington was one team that's just significantly better than the other one. Uh, one team that played significantly harder than the other one. And with this game being in Mackey arena now, I, I wouldn't anticipate any of those things reversing themselves. Um, I do think this is a Purdue team that takes some of these games personally and I think there's a higher level of focus. There's a higher level of effort that comes out in games like this. And I think you'll see that um, on Saturday night. I think that uh, if Indiana's going to have a chance, they're going to have to have an outlier shooting game. Um, that's, that's happened before. Uh, I don't know if it's ever happened in Mackey Arena. You know, Jalen Hood, Shafino, they just couldn't cover him last year. He is long gone, much to Purdue's delight. Um, you know, Khalil Ware is banged up. But if he can make a bunch of threes, that's problematic for Purdue. Malik Renault is always a, a difficult matchup on the block. Those are kind of the two guys uh, that would concern me if I was Purdue. Uh, you know, Trey Galloway getting hot like he did in Bloomington. You know, I, I think that's kind of a, one of those situations where Assembly Hall takes guys to a higher level sometimes. Other than that, I just don't think Indiana's got the guard play to really um, be all of that all that problematic for Purdue in the past when Indiana has been the inferior team 
They've had a Jalen Hood Shafino who could really attack a weak spot and produce defense. They've had a Xavier Johnson at times who could really make floaters over drop coverage and ball screen offense, things like that. I just don't think Indiana's got the guard play you have to have to really put 40 good offensive minutes uh, up against Purdue. And that you, at the end of the day, you still have to outscore Purdue because they're really good offensively. And I, I don't know if Indiana's that if they're good enough defensively to hold Purdue to a reasonable number. Um, so I would be surprised, but you know, we've all been surprised before by um, outcomes in the big 10. We've all been surprised before by outcomes in Purdue, Indiana. So uh, you never want to speak too soon, but on paper, this looks like a, uh, a comfortable win for Purdue. Jalen Hutchifino had 35 last year. Trey Galloway had 25 at Ohio state. It did shoot well, like you said, I think it was 17 in that first game. But uh, that's uh, it is going to take all Indiana can do. One would think to to uh, get the job done. What do you make? You know, Purdue has obviously to some extent run the gauntlet. It's not over, but it's sort of looking good for Purdue to pull its twenty sixth Big Ten championship. Go to Wisconsin uh, and tough out a game. Uh, they still just seem to have the edge of getting the job done. As Matt Painter said uh, in his availability on Thursday, it wasn't perfect. Uh, it, it wasn't, but uh, they still seem to have that extra gear to get the job done. And really in the Wisconsin game, they were in control down the stretch. Most of these games, they had a measure of wasn't over by any stretch, but they were still up six to eight points down the stretch. Is that just the face of the best team in the Big Ten? Uh, is that a, is that a sure or a sure sign of a team with another year of maturity? How do you how do you put that together? Yeah, I, th I think it's been good for Purdue. Um after strain the last three games. Yeah. You know, they had to stave off Rutgers. Yeah. They had to come back on Northwestern. And then on the road again, they had to stave off Wisconsin, who was arguably the best of those three teams. And, you know, Purdue did everything they needed to do to win. And I think, you know, Purdue is probably – probably does have an extra gear sometimes that maybe isn't always being applied. Um and I guess opponents deserve credit for that. I'm not saying Purdue is coasting by any means, no. but you know, I think when their best comes out, when they're pushed, that's a pretty good sign. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of happened here the last couple games uh, for Purdue. I, 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 as I said before, I do think it's a good thing for them to not just be blowing through people. Um, I do think they're the the margin they have over the rest of the Big Ten in terms of how good they are is pretty significant and. Uh, but they are having their metal tested. They are having their winning instincts, you know, sharpened, so to speak. And uh, I think it's a very good sign for them moving forward that they have been able to thrive in these really highly competitive situations. And uh, I wouldn't expect otherwise from, from them. But I do think you're seeing some things in this team right now that represent progress from last season. And yeah. It, it could have been predicted experience, maturity, all that stuff is cultivated over time. And when the guys with the ball in their hands, you know, Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer now have that. Uh, I think that this was kind of the natural, natural evolution of things. And I think this is what we talked about. I've talked about all season long that, you know, in terms of championships and, you know, March success and things like that last year, wasn't produced shot. This year is Purdue shot because their guards are all grown up now. 
They've got better depth than I think they did last season. Obviously, Lance Jones has been transformative. Zach Eadie's improved. But the biggest piece of that puzzle has been Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer being older, more experienced, and just more mature as as Big Ten basketball players. And I think that you've seen that come out here the last couple of games. Yeah, no question that uh, uh, they have been outstanding. And uh, and for the most part, you know, again, that it's been a nine-man rotation. Last against Wisconsin, you only have a couple. I think Gillis is the only one that scores any points off the bench. But this is a this is a bench too that uh, Cameron Heidi's made made contributions. Certainly, Ethan Morton doesn't do a lot in the stat sheet, but he gets a lot of things done. Uh, anything you know? Is there is there any any anything that you see changing in that rotation as you go further? You know, Caleb first probably is number nine right now. The kind of the way things have gone from minutes played. Uh, do you see do you see any other tweaks to that, or do you think it's going to be a nine nine person roster all the way through? What what do you see Matt Painter doing? I think you're. I think what you see right now is what you get the rest of the season. I mean, anything can happen. Um, I, I think there might be situations competitively where he's got a little more flexibility because games are not as competitive as some of the ones that have been played before. And maybe that affords more minutes for Caleb first. Maybe that affords some minutes for Miles Colvin, you know, things like that. Maybe that means more Lance Jones playing the point and less Braden Smith on the floor. I don't think Matt Painter views uh, things right now as in we have to curb people's minutes. I think he, he kind of views that as something that occurs during the week. Um, I also think he he has faith in Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer that they're in good enough shape now and conditioned well enough both physically and mentally to not hit the you know quote unquote wall they hit last season around this time. Um, so I think that right now this is what you're going to get. Uh, I think Mason Gillis is a critical uh, player for this team, a, a sixth starter, uh, one of the obvious candidates for Big Ten Six Man of the Year. There's a couple good ones, but he has been instrumental to this team's success. I think Ethan Morton's played well off the bench. Uh, I think Caleb First and Trey Kaufman Ryan went in there together, have played pretty well together. Um, I think it's important to a certain extent that Purdue be able to find some offense when Zach Eadie's not on the floor. And uh, I think Purdue's figured that out a little bit. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, I, I just think the rotation you've seen here lately is kind of what's going to endure. And on top of the fact that you're winning, it's this deep into the season and changing now wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense unless there was some urgent, urgent call or 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 impetus in order to change and obviously you want to keep rolling when you're rolling so um i don't think there's i don't think you're going to see anything um overt in terms of Purdue changing now they're going to shorten their practices like they always do they're gonna um you know probably not have their best guys doing as much in between games uh, i would have to think but i i don't think they're gonna i don't think they're gonna tweak anything uh, in terms of what you see on game days. You've talked about the trans transformative nature of Lance Jones and, and you've written, talked about how thought he was going to be a key player, but now he's really almost, he is an all big 10 level player. I'm not saying he's going to make a first team all big 10, but he has been that good. 
that confident um, and made huge plays against Wisconsin to, to kind of help deliver you Purdue over the hump. You spent a lot of time talking to Matt Painter about that as well, but just his role and what he looks to mean as Purdue gets to tournament time, because it seems to me uh, he's got to give a coaching staff a lot of confidence uh, that he, they've got an X factor that can really help them. Well, at, at the very basic level, he has completed Purdue. I mean, he really yeah. has. Yeah. He's given them another on-ball defender, another ball handler. Uh, and it's so valuable in college basketball nowadays to have multiple ball handlers on the floor. Um, he essentially allows Purdue to play two point guards, three if you consider Fletcher Lawyer as a guy who can be a primary ball handler. He mm -hmm. just probably won't be ever in his career. Um, he has given Purdue those two elements. He's given them a transition element that has really, really added another layer um, from an offensive productivity perspective, another layer as if they need any yeah. pressure on opposing defenses. Uh, one more thing to be aware of, as if Zach Eady wasn't enough of a problem, as if Braden Smith and ball screen offense isn't enough of a problem, as if all these 40% three-point shooters aren't enough of a problem. Now you have to be wary of Lance Jones just going end-to-end -end on you. Um, what they've gotten from him as a scorer is just something that I don't think anyone could have seen coming. Um, I think they were, you know, I don't know if I could say this out loud at this point, but I think they really recruited him as an element yeah, die and not necessarily a game changer. And what they've gotten has been a game changer. They needed a backup point guard. They needed a ball handler. Um, they just needed an athlete, uh, basically in the backcourt, and they got that. But they also got a guy who's, you know, the the, the way I like to put it was Purdue returned a big three from last year's team in Zach Eady, Braden Smith, and Fletcher Lawyer, and Lance Jones has made it a big four. Um, and again, I, I keep saying this if. You could combine Trey Kaufman, Rand, and Mason Gillis into one player. You'd basically have five all Big Ten starters. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the level of productivity they're getting at every position. Uh, but you just can't say enough about what Lance Jones has done tangibly as a basketball player, but intangibly too. I mean, I, I just think he's his energy is just something that has really been a valuable commodity on this team. The joy he plays with has been a really, really valuable commodity on this team. I don't think this was ever really a thing, but this season could have been, you know, a six-month tension headache for Purdue, given right. all the expectations, right. given the undercurrent of how their season's ultimately going to be judged, and just having a guy out there who's just having the time of his life. Yeah. I, I just think there's there's no other way to look at that other than that being just awesome for this team. All right, the other guy that's having the time of his life, though, quietly, stoically, just does it every game is Zach Eady. And some of the narrative around him on a, has been a little bit nutty on a national level or at least in, in the social media sphere. But hard to put into perspective, again, just how good he's been. Uh, yes, he gets fouled a lot. I don't know why people are surprised by that. Uh, it's because that's what he does, and that's what Purdue does. But talk just about him. Is there a way to, to, to really say – this is where he is, or is he just, he's just going to be the greatest player that's ever played at Purdue the way, the way he's going uh, uh, by the time he's done. Well, it's going to be hard to make a case against him if you just look at numbers, right? Yeah. Well, um, now, ultimately, he's going to be judged in the totality of his career from a winning perspective. So the, you know, the most important part of his career is yet to come. 
whether that's fair or not, I don't know. I mean, we don't talk about Glenn Robinson as having never gone to a Final Four, right? We don't. Right. I guess Rick Mount did, didn't he? Did he went to the national championship game? Yes, he did. Okay. But yes. Um. But no, I mean, I, it, it's going to be hard to argue against him. Huh. What's what Zach Eady has done, and this might not necessarily answer your question, but he has exposed the stupidity of so many college basketball people, <laughs> just that. how people. What he has done to the collective stupidity in, of the court of public opinion is just astounding. How he has gotten between the ears of just so many people on social media and people actually platforming it and giving it credibility, which is, I guess, what I'm doing right now by mentioning it. But the whole everything becomes a referendum on the officiating. He's become kind of this avatar for people's loathing of officials. Um, people saying he's not good, he's just big. Yeah. Okay. Do they um, watch the game? Yeah. yeah. They don't watch the games. They they they, they read tweets. They scan yeah. tweets. Yeah. And then they or they just don't understand basketball whatsoever. And it started in November. Purdue played a couple SEC teams. I I don't think I'm going out on a limb here by suggesting SEC people aren't exactly the most knowledgeable yeah. basketball people. Um might go so far as to say they're not the most knowledgeable people, period. But um <laughs> but, yeah, but you digress. <laughs> that was the that was their whole story. Was you know, Tennessee only lost to Purdue because be, be, because the fix was in from the refs because of Zach Eady. And I, I always said that, hey, next time you have a first round NFL defensive tackle who gets held on every play but gets five flags all year. Don't come crying to me because that's exactly what Zach Eady is. Um, but people saying he's not a good defensive player, it's just insane. He's one of the most impactful defensive players in college basketball. He's going to be – I'd have to think he's right there for Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year right now. Um, the, 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 the three other guys who will probably be on my Defensive Player of the Year ballot, I can't remember if I even vote – would be Ace Bailey, Cliff Amore, and uh, Coleman Hawkins, uh, along with Edie. And I would take Edie over any of those guys from a defensive perspective. But no, he he has just – why he has become this divisive figure in college basketball is is just kind of dumbfounding. He, he, he's, he's a farm for bad takes, yeah. um, as, yeah. which is a good problem to have sometimes because it's what happens to you nowadays – when you're really good and people are tired of watching you be really good. It's like, I, I completely digress here, but I always make the argument that Michael Jordan's legacy would be very, very different. Had there been a Twitter, you know, back then, um, you know, you see Tom Brady win all these rings and Derek Jeter. And there's a segment of the population that just can't stand those guys because they're sick of watching them win. Yeah. They're sick of watching them be the best players. LeBron James, another great example. Um, and that's what Zach Eady's become in college basketball. He's just, he's just become this, this kind of bin binary. You're either for him or against him. You either like the Beatles or you like the Rolling Stones, you know? And it's just, it's insane. The level of just dumb stuff that is out there about Zach Eady. And I guess he's earned it, but he's a great player. He's one of the great players in all of college basketball history. Uh, he is not a concoction of the referees. Uh, he is not only good because he's tall. I would argue that being tall is not even his biggest strength as a player. 
his biggest strength as a player, on top of being good at basketball for someone his size, is size. And size and height are two different things. You know, he, he his defining characteristic is his strength, his width, his ability to hold position, his physicality. I think I mentioned his strength already. Yeah. Uh, but also how nimble he is for a player that size. Height is part of it, but only part of that. And that's what has made Zach Eady great. But he's also good. He's, he's a good basketball player. He's become a really good passer, a really good defensive player in ways that guys that big should not be good. He's the best rebounder in college basketball, if you ask me. He's an, way more active a rebounder than anybody uh, that size should be. I'll go back to Isaac Haas. Was he a great rebounder? No. He was not. It's not it's not just about being big and the ball coming to you. It's about anticipating, moving, responding to things, having quick reaction time, things like that. Um, he's just a great player. And I, I, how anybody could watch him and come up with some other take uh, contrary to that is just absolutely mind-boggling. But also a a a close look into just how stupid our sports opinion culture has become. Um, we've been first take to death. We've been barstooled to death and everything is, you know, everyone's overrated. Everyone sucks. Nothing matters. You know, it, it's just, he's kind of become one of the faces of that in college basketball. So. <laughs> You're done. You're right. It drives me crazy. We could all, we could have four people sitting and standing yeah. on the street corner or in front of their computers no, and, and look, I, I get kind of heated about that, and it's not me sticking up for Purdue. I mean, no, it, no. it doesn't do that. It's just objective fact. Like people made Purdue people made a lot of the same arguments about Trace Jackson Davis that people make about Zach Eady in terms of oh well, he's not going to do anything in the NBA. Like so, doesn't mean he's not a great college player. And Trace Jackson Davis is in the NBA as Zach Eady will be next year, um, but like we just kind of come up with these intellectually dishonest arguments to cut people down. Yeah. That's just sort of the, sort of the, the, the sports culture we're we're in and I'm trying to fight. To be honest yeah. With you. yeah. Yeah. And, and doing a good job with it. And it's, it's, it's an uphill yeah. battle <laughs> to in the, today's world. It's almost impossible. But to the yeah. few thousand people who I, I, I speak to. Yes. <laughs> there you go. All right, Brian, thank you for, uh your views and your and your not so hot takes just your your reasoned takes of what uh, we're going to see not only saturday night but uh, also the rest of the season with purdue basketball so all right stay tuned because uh next segment will be chad q brown who will talk about uh, his his business profile business profile behavior and a lot about what's going on in the world of uh, uh purdue sports and then of course troy lewis will join us and maybe even a cameo Segment two with a friend of the show, and he's been on a couple of times, Chad Q. Brown, ProfileBehavior.com. And as much as Chad is on the road and doing things and making things happen for, for coaches, teams, athletes around the, certainly in the United States and maybe even around the world, but we always have to kind of re reload Chad and give us the elevator speech uh, uh, of what is profile behavior? What a little bit of what you, what you're doing, not only with with Purdue, and we'll get into that later, but to just kind of, kind of give us a thumbnail of where, what uh, you are up to at your at your day job. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, thank you, Alan. You know, I love being here with you, man, and proud Purdue alum. Uh, and, you know, I work as a consultant to the university and uh, not only Purdue athletics, which uh, you know, we work with all sports, been with Matt Painter and the basketball team for over 10 years now, uh, but really enjoyed that relationship growing with all sports recently. Uh, but work with um, and advise the Purdue for Life group, the uh, Purdue Research Foundation. Uh, worked done a little work with uh, President Chang's office, so it's 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 awesome. I love uh, you know my alma mater. We we live here. My family and I live you know 15 minutes from campus. So, uh, but I do uh, our business profile is a behavioral agency. We do personality testing. Uh, but we do a lot of executive coaching, leadership training using the behavioral assessments that we've got. Uh, some pretty cool technology that gives, you know, uh, these, uh, you know, behavioral tools to kids on their phone or employees. And uh, we really try and help teams and leaders uh, work better together is the simple version on this call. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a, uh, a consulting firm where we advise and kind of help people see what they can't see with each other and help relationships and, and you know, figure out uh, everywhere's a different puzzle. How do you get better at the people side? And that's very subjective. But our business kind of quantifies uh, the subjective part. Uh, so hopefully yes. that makes sense. It does make sense. And, and I, and I, and you have, uh, I have done one of your profiles. It is easy to do. Uh, uh, and you've been kind to, to shake down what, what I'm all about or what I, <laughs> what, which is, which is a, a truck, not troubling at all. It just was fascinating. Uh, I love this field. I've told you this every time. That's one man. Yours is the yeah, best. that's right. So okay. she's saying oh, everybody, <laughs> but Chad also did to put on his uh, his athletic background. Obviously, played Purdue with Purdue Purdue football. Coach with Joe Tiller. Talk about just with that experience and how that got you to this, because you certainly you know from the coaching world and God knows where we are in the world of college football these days. But it's a it's a harried experience even even back in your day of coaching. But talk about how that got that get you got to evolve into profile behavior yeah I just I coached college football for 10 years I was the young whipping boy when Joe Tiller <laughs> you know came on to you know came on when and Drew Brees actually uh you know stayed the night with me when he came on to campus I was leaving to take a job and he was coming to campus like that's a kind of it's a lot another story another day <laughs> but uh that was the time I was here and then but I got <clears throat> I went to a little division three school called Washington and Jefferson college uh, side note. That was Matt Painter's first job as well. All right. Tom Ryder. Yeah, yeah. Tom Ryder. Yeah. We, we never knew each other though. I never yeah. knew those guys. And uh, John Luckhart was the, the head coach, athletic director, um, head football coach, but he was a Purdue guy. And so he yeah. looked out for us and in typical Purdue nation form, you know, they, they looked out for each other. They, they gave us an opportunity. Uh, but I went on to Dartmouth after that for a couple of years uh, as a, you know, assistant football coach came back to Purdue right when Breeze left and during the Orton era, but I coached for 10 years. How did I get to profile behavior? Uh, I kind of got sick of moving every two years is the simple <laughs> answer. Yeah. Um, I went into the corporate technology space, uh, a sports tech company in Illinois was hiring coaches. I interviewed for the job. They gave me these assessments. I just had never seen them before. And I actually thought they were kind of you know, I was like, what is this? You know, like what, you know, I'm answering questions, picking words, most like me and sentences that I care about. And, you know, it was just a unique experience, but this organization that I worked for, and it was about a $300 million technology company. Um, they had all types of verticals. They were in IT consulting and pension software and sports was their new, their new vertical. Um, you know, they, that organization helped me learn that stuff. And we used it every day in hiring, 
but also how to develop people. And it wasn't about someone was right or wrong. It was, hey, understand these people better, communicate with these people differently than you. You know, a lot of people, uh, we have a, I love a quote. It's kind of our base rule in our system is you'll never see other people as they are before you see them as you are. Yeah. And uh, if you really think about that quote, it's like, I'm wired a certain way. Well, why don't you do it the way I do it? Well, because people are different. And these assessments show that. So uh, I just think, I thought if you could give it uh, on a phone and give it fast, uh, that's what was missing. And I met my uh, business partner for, he's been with, he and I've been together 13 years. We've grown the company. We're still a small group, but we work with a lot of cool clients, the NFL combine and, you know, for over 10 years and a ton of, you know, uh, higher education groups, whether it be athletics or fundraising or, um, just and we do a lot of corporations as well, businesses. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we we just do people, but I've really uh, our technology allows us to give so many so fast. It's almost like I have this degree in behavior that <laughs> I just uh, I've learned because I've seen so many. And then you observe people, uh, which developed our system of you know we do a lot of executive coaching as well. How do people get better? Ed um, Cooley at Georgetown is a client. He told me, he said, you know, he's, I've, I've learned that everybody needs a coach and uh, including this guy, you know, just, yeah. we all need somebody we can lean on. And so there's a lot of that stuff wrapped up into, into profile. That's how I got there though. You know what though, Purdue and Matt Painter, it's been much talked about and Chad will bristle with this comment, but you know, Purdue had a couple down years and Matt Painter kind of turned to a guy named Chad Brown and, uh, and Matt Painter's always been a, a, a culture guy. I mean, he had Hummel Johnson, and Etwan more great guys sure. went through a tough pal, but you came in. Um, you certainly had something to do, but culture is an over word. I mean, sometimes overused word, but man, Purdue's, Purdue's and Matt Painter have been able to develop that. And just talk about that. You know, he's really worked on getting the kind of guys that fit his program, and that is so much of more of a challenge in maybe in football, but certainly in basketball too, with the transfer portal world and not having time to evaluate guys as much. Sure. Talk about that initial experience with Matt and how that has evolved here over the last ten years. No, thanks for. I love that word. Culture is a very um overly utilized term uh, but we know it means something and it's a big yeah. deal uh i want to say out of the gates with matt painter um there's this mystique that we you know have helped a, a lot and, and we have but like people don't understand how high of an iq that guy has yeah, no doubt. i mean he's one of the most intelligent people i have ever met in my life in all and he obsesses about learning obsesses um, he reads all the time, books all summer long um, in our system. He's off the charts in competitiveness. So where I go is the reason that program is the way where they are is Matt Painter. Uh, end of story. Because he's so dynamic, he's learned from his mistakes, too. Yeah. Uh, we're this little data point that he, you know, he uses it correctly and he uses it for him. Like the, that's the the people that do the best with our stuff are the people that use it for them. They figure out their own little art with it. And that's what he's done. Uh, but everywhere is a little different. So when the word culture comes up, yeah, he, um, I, I think you've got to strip culture down into some different silos because people say it loosely. They don't say what it means. I mean, you know, where is your morale as an organization? Well, morale is a little subjective, you know, so I like to use the zero to 10 scale, 10 being perfect, zero being the worst. Well, what would your employees say? You know, your culture is what they say it is. Like think about that quote. I've always liked yeah. that. 
your culture is what they say it is. You can think you're a good leader and you can think you're a good coach, but what if you took a 360 or, or people, um, you know, really you know, gave you feedback, what would they actually say? And so, um, you know, how's morale? Uh, how's turnover? Do people stay? You know what I mean? Uh, what what level of production, uh, an output of production do you have? And if you just went down, you know, there's a there's a handful of silos that to me break down culture like those three. Um, use zero to ten, and uh, I think if you or organization can get to that seven, eight, nine, ten, you're doing some really good things. And then yeah. you really have to drill into why. So Matt, through the years, has used our tool to really look at behaviors that have worked for him. Uh, or people that are opposite of him or different than him, how can he adapt? How can he adjust when maybe he's the analytical data-driven guy, but he's dealing with a Carson Edwards who's you know extremely extroverted and fun and fast-paced, very different. But how do we how do we make it work? Because the you know the young man's so talented and he he uses the quote all the time. I do what's right for Purdue. That's my job, and so he's going to do everything in his power to to make uh, the people side. Um, as best as, as he can. And, and so just, I mean, you know, I, we did an exercise this summer with the team and I had them rank their culture and um, I didn't know what would come back, but it, yeah, from the players, it had a pretty, pretty high ranking. And I think it made Matt uncomfortable. Uh, I know <laughs> it did, but that's part of my job too. I love the guy and uh, he's just, he's an amazing individual. But when I saw those kids talk about, you know, you know, you think about the NIL world today, our, our yeah. guys could go anywhere. You know, we got 10 starters. We don't have five starters. Yeah. So they could go anywhere and they could get paid a lot of money. And we take care of them. Don't get me wrong, but they stay. That says a lot. Yeah, it absolutely does. Without divulging uh, specifics, maybe, but talk about, you know, you've got, we you know, I've talked about certain guys in this team, Zach Eady is very, very, seems to me to be very consistent. Uh, yes, he is. You know, talk, uh, that may be the biggest understatement of all. Uh, you've got a Fletcher lawyer, you've got a Mason Kilser, all different personalities, but as a unit, yeah. uh, they seem mm -hmm. to meld well together. But as you compare them to some other teams, uh, uh, is that, uh, is that in fact reality? I mean, obviously what they're doing on the court is speaks for itself. We get that, yeah. but uh, just from that personalities of guys, do they have that right amount of competitiveness, maybe even nastiness uh, to do what they need to do from, in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, it's the most coachable team that I've ever yeah. seen. Have. I think that's the biggest, he's such a, a, He's so good with the details. And we have clients in men's basketballs might be half of our revenue, you know, as far as our yeah. company goes. So we, you know, Mike White at Georgia or Porter Moser at Oklahoma or Micah Shrewsbury at Notre Dame and Cooley at Georgetown. These are all clients of ours. And I've, in the summertime, I've asked just in, you know, I do a lot of programming and I've asked those guys, uh, who's the best X and O guy that you're, you're around? And I actually am not teeing it up for them to say Matt. Uh, yeah. I'm just curious. Like Porter Moser, Oklahoma, actually, uh, you know, came from Loyola to there. He gets a lot of a lot of praise with that. But Matt's always in the top five. They all yeah. know how great he is. But you need these detail-oriented personalities, behavioral styles. So they're off the charts in competitiveness, high coachability. They're detailed. None of them are perfect. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're we're a, we're we're a tool, right? It, there's there's more to people. Like the way someone. You know, Alan, where you grew up and, you know, how you were raised and the nurturing you you got. There's nature and there's nurture. Uh, we're, you know, that stuff matters. And that's not in an, in an assessment. So you have to look at this formula of people. 
but he um, he's done an awesome job of filling holes too. Like Jenkins last year was a really good, um, you know, puzzle piece. But then you 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 know, Lance Jones has turned out to be you know even another, well, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, another level up. So he's done a really good job filling in those holes. Um, and the kids are just really coachable. They're really competitive. And um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned with Zach, they they all have a level of consistency to them. You know, they all have their nuances, but there is that baseline that really fits Matt. Uh, they're, they're good kids. They want to be here. They want to be at Purdue. They want an education. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, may, I may shoot myself in the foot when I say this, but I've told people nationally, like <clears throat> Purdue is one of the few teams that's built not to transfer. I think about that. Like I go, like there's a team we work with in the SEC. I won't say what it is. I mean, there's nine new dudes there, yeah. you know, last year, you know, big 12, nine new people, five new people. Like I'm not saying people don't transfer from Purdue, but it's less. Does that make sense? And that's yeah. by design. Um, but Matt will never say that. And Matt, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he's just too humble. You know, he just, he believes in his people, but our, we just, we have good people at Purdue and there's just so many awesome things that, you know, Purdue for Life and John Purdue Club and all these places, they do so much in the fundraising side. And obviously the donors and the alums, they they give Purdue this back end ability to do so many things because of the financial support is, is unreal at Purdue. Man, yeah, this could be a two hour show if you and I were allowed to, <laughs> to do that. But but I, I it's the perfect segue into what you are doing in the Forging Ahead campaign. This is you know, and and tying even more, uh, you know, the athletic department, John Purdue Club, is in, it has has identified that it's an interesting storyline. You talk to Tim House, who's the head of the John Purdue Club and one of the uh, executive associate athletic directors. You talk about that need for retention because, to me, in the crazy world of the transfer portal, yeah, anybody can go anywhere. You got it. Seems to me, Purdue's goal is to try to make it so kids don't leave, not just in men's sure. basketball, but everywhere because it's a great environment. But talk about that campaign and your role in that and maybe how how you get from point A to point B to, to so that all programs are in that, that uh, as much in that situation as they can be. Yeah, I mean, when when Michael Bensky got here, I forget how many years ago, eight, nine, 2016, eight, yep. 2016, uh, I met with him and Matt put me in front of him right away and said, this is what we do. And Mike was great. And he was like, we, you know, the sports can choose to work with you. I'm not that type of, you know, I'm going to let our sports use tools they want to use. He's that, he's a great, great leader. He's so strategic. He's so political. I'll even call him powerful. Like the guy knows, you know, he's so tied into, to what we want at Purdue, right? Um, mm -hmm. But after a while, you know, I think they, you know, four or five years into this thing, into his tenure, they sat around and said, how can we, continue to gain a competitive advantage and and you can invest you can go raise money you can do training tables you can do facilities you can do all these things people have done for you know a hundred years to move the needle you know the or oregon makes the huge initiative of, of facilities and fingerprint locker rooms and ipads and everybody's mm -hmm. trying to gain an edge right? right and so um you know tim house i mean i want to give him credit i think he sat around the table with those guys and said this how can we get better on the people's side he said you know matt's been using the profile tools for a while and Chad's an alum and, you know, like how can our other sports? And they came to me and said, well, we have this idea uh, to, you know, kind of put you front and center, start working with all sports, show our alumni um, and the university how creative and innovative we're going to be. Um, 
they know it's not going to, you know, flip a switch tomorrow and all of a sudden we're winning national titles every, you know, yeah. in every sport because it takes time to get the right people, use the tool in recruiting. Uh, every coach has to kind of figure out, um, you know, their way of using it. Yeah. Where Tony Ursland at wrestling is, is doing an unbelievable job, and Coach Golf at baseball, he we had a program with them last night. He's doing an awesome job. Both golf teams are all all in, and they've been, you know, using it. And everywhere's a different puzzle, but they are all, you know, trying to become more scientific with their people. Um, and I, that's where I want to give them a lot of credit. And that's all from Mike and Tim. And then, you know, the senior administration there have been super supportive, uh, you know, Ken Halpin and, and, you know, all the guys, all the, the team that works with Mike every day, uh, just been awesome. And so it's, it's a lot of work, but they're, they're, they're really kicking it off. And so, the last thing I'll say is they're letting our, the alumni, they're letting the people that support Purdue is we are trying to be different. We need you to get behind us. And so, uh, you know, for clarity, that money goes to Purdue, you know, we have our fees and so on, but that money goes to Purdue to help, you know, with all the the things that, uh, you know, Purdue needs with, you know, their facilities and with infrastructure and things of that nature. So that was their vision. We love and are really proud to be a part of it. It's fun uh, because it's my alma mater, man. It's, it's, I'm really proud. I, there's nobody I want to see succeed more. You had uh, an experience, a uh, coaching experience in Dartmouth, the big green, and yet they're now kind of the focal point of the, of the, uh, the current craziness or, or change. I don't know if it's just that, you know, I, I'm a little bit older and maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I, I need to adjust more, but talk about, not only the Dartmouth decision, but just its role and the psyche of student athletes and what you know, we've talked about retention. We've talked about, yeah. you know, NIL and, and quote unquote pay for play. But how does that how does that how do coaches and teams deal with that and maybe even use your tool to figure out, you know, all right, these are guys that may stick with us or these guys are motivated by certain things. And, and then lastly, Chad, where the heck do you see all this going? Well, I mean, just let's let's cut to it. No matter how you feel about this world, ladies and gentlemen, we are in pay for play. Yeah. End of Period. story. From here yeah. forward, we are in pay for play, pay for play. And so in some way, shape or form, if you don't want to get on that train, um, you will be left behind. People already have been. There were athletic directors that I, it's going to go away. It's going to change. No way it sustains. All due respect, it's not. Um, if you, you can go onto YouTube and watch the Senate hearing, that was a two hour hearing where the panel was Charlie Baker, the head of the NCAA. You had Jack Swarbrick, the former AD at, uh, uh, Notre Dame. You had uh, the athletic director at St. Joseph's. You had the employee, the head of the, the, uh, the athletic union was there. Uh, there was a gentleman, I forget his name. He's the head of one of the biggest collectives. He actually oversees Ole Miss's collective, but there's mm-hmm, 25, right. Other schools there. There was a student athlete on the panel. Um, the new uh, Big Ten commissioner was on that panel. So that's 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 who's sitting in front of our you know our nation's leaders, and they're talking about you know uh, trying to you know figure out how to put this all and get some structure around it because, like for example, the state of Missouri, you know they passed a law where you can pay high school kids. So if as long as you're going to go to a school in state. We can pay you in high school. Mm. Nobody else is doing that. So these, there's no uniformity with each state. That's that's an example. So the, you know what Dartmouth did is, and this is the way you know I see it. It's it's an opinion. I worked there for a couple of years. 
but it's not about Dartmouth. It's about the Ivy League. When when the Ivy League's always been, we're going to be first. We're going to look at the student athlete. It's academics first. I actually don't know if what they did is a trigger to tell the rest of the nation to do it. I just, you know, when COVID hit, the Ivy League mm-hmm. shut down first. They've mm-hmm. just always been that way. Um, and so I just believe that they're, you know, they're trying to be um, proactive in that area. They've always, you know what I mean? And, and give them credit. But um, this this committee, these oversight committees that were the Big Ten and the SEC have just, you know, come together. Um, that's what's going to happen. And they're going to, you know, I know enough to be dangerous for the next year. They're going to sit back and they're going to look back and all the smart people are going to get in the room. And if there's no needle moved from the NCAA on uniformity or from, you know, the government, um, my prediction is the Big Ten and the SEC are going to turn into the AFC and the NFC. And uh, they're going to do their thing. I don't have proof of that. I know enough, talk to enough people that that's where it's going. Um, But do you remember the YouTube video? Sorry, it was just a clip. It was an interview with Chip Kelly at UCLA. Mm -hmm. Right. He kind of came out. He's like, you know, we got a lot of smart people out there. Why can't we get them all in the room and figure out a solution? Uh, I, in my opinion, I think that video that went viral, you know, kicked everybody in the butt. And they just did it. So there's more to come. Um, but that's, that's what I think, um, you know, what Dartmouth did is proactive. I just don't know if that's what's going to happen, uh, because there's too much wild west still, uh, there's too much wild west. Really interesting insight. I really hadn't thought about that, that yes, the, the Ivy league has chosen to be first. They really don't, I don't say that they don't care what everybody else does, but they do care what they do. Oh yeah. Um, Really, really good. All right. The, The event of the year. You thought I was going to mention Purdue, Indiana on Saturday night. Now that is the event of the year. Matthew. It will be fun. But the other event of the year is Sunday in the Super Bowl. And and again, I've I've I know you've worked with a lot of these guys, and I'm, this is not a gambling show. But just talk about a Patrick Mahomes, who I think you've had had some, and also I don't know whether you, whether you have with uh, Brock Purdy. But talk yeah. about what you see, yeah, not only just from the game, but these are two phenomenal organizations, first and oh, yeah. foremost. Uh, and uh, probably put put on a heck of a show on Sunday night uh, after Purdue fans. Hopefully, uh, if you're a Purdue fan, you can you can be in the glow of a win over Indiana. But talk, talk about just, just that and working with an NFL-type guy and that type of person, a Mahomes, a, again, an unbelievable personality, but also kind of delivers on the field, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're really excited for the, the people in Bloomington to come up this this. Uh, <laughs> we're start gonna welcome them, welcome them with open yeah, we're arms. Gonna, we're, right? gonna, we're gonna welcome them. Come on up. We've got yeah. we we got something for you. Um, but on the Super Bowl, I appreciate you asking. You know, we've been Patrick Mahomes is in our system, and and so is Brock Purdy and a lot of those guys. And uh, you know, you know, Keena Turner, who you know oversees yeah. operations for for uh, the 49ers, is is a friend. Uh, but you know, great. Great, you know, great player here at Purdue. Um, so I, we actually, he was he was proactive with us probably eight nine years ago. So we I know enough about that organization. They do a lot of great things, developing people. You know, Mahomes is just physically talented. Right. Like that's the thing that like take the personality, all these things out the window. Like he just there's there's Sean Payton has told stories where they went to watch him work out. And Sean Payton, who's this is the Bill Parcells disciple, had never seen anybody throw the ball, you know, and contort his body like that guy. 
And uh, so it, it, he's obviously been to multiple Super Bowls. He's just, you know, uh, you know, one of those unique talents that's hard to <laughs> go against, right? Yeah, yeah, um, okay. But what both organizations have done, John Lynch, you know, he started five, four or five years ago uh, as the general manager of the Niners, and they built it from the draft. I mean, you, if you watch how they built it, they built it from the draft like you know, people talk about doing. Not everybody stays with it, but he did. Uh, and then it's amazing. I think quarterback stories are amazing um, because too many, like Brock Purdy, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, these guys have come from – fourth round or below and you know through a lot of grit and you know work and competitiveness and love of the game like that just not trying to sound like a uh, self-help book but like they yeah. they they succeed and you know Garoppolo leaving and all these these different things have to happen for pretty to be there but all he does is is continue to win so um you know the it's really going to be an awesome game uh I probably lean Kansas City a little bit just because of the quarterback uh, and because of Andy Reid, uh, but you know it, it'll be a good game. They, they're both so well run, uh, and Kyle Shanahan, what I think he does is amazing. I, and I'll be honest with you, um, I think Purdue University. And we only had one year under Ryan, but Graham Harrell, he, you know, when I watch Graham Harrell run our offense, he is so creative in how he runs the football. And you know, I know we still need some more horses, and you know, some of you Purdue fans may be frustrated a little bit with the results but he is unbelievable with how he runs the football but Shanahan does it the best in the NFL and just being creative on how to uh, rush the football and I think that's where they're really elite so it's gonna be an awesome game if you're putting uh you're making me answer I'm, I'm leaning to the uh the Chiefs by three so yeah, we'll see. I can't bet I can't bet again I, and I'm not betting but if I was I can't <laughs> I, didn't bet that word. No, I didn't say that word uh he is um He's pretty special, but so Brock Purdy's an unbelievable story. Yeah. Purdue fans will be watching George <laughs> Karloftis as well, oh, yeah. uh, and and his and he will be a he is trending in the uh, not this year, not maybe not next year, but he's going to be an elite level player in this league. He's showing that as well. You every time you get on the show, I have forty seven more questions I need to I want to ask that we will say that because we didn't talk about Ryan Walters in football. We'll do sure. that again if Chad's good enough to join us in the fall. Uh, just a little bit about where where Ryan's program is. A lot of work to be done there, but uh, a guy that uh, I think is uh, working hard to try to get it done. So, Chad, thanks so much for your time. It's it's just a it's a, I'm just soaking it all in for all all. And awesome. We said 18 minutes, and you went 25. So we appreciate that very much. So, uh, and and uh, we it's great stuff and interesting stuff. And this story will be continue to be told. We're always grateful that you will spend time with us a couple times a year with us on, on our show. So, all and right, uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes. I think we're going to have I, I, Gene Katie and Troy Lewis will join us too. We'll be a lot of fun. Gene Katie will be in a, if you need any more excitement. and <laughs> Segment three, Golden Black Live. Special, special guest, Troy Lewis, who has made, he's moved mountains to be with us. Now, he's just always gracious with his time. Coaching high school basketball uh, for the Centerville Elks. The Elks, yeah. I looked that up on that thing called the World Wide Web. That was cool, and you're <laughs> and you're making a difference in kids' lives on a daily basis. In addition to having a pretty challenging day job, but uh, uh, and heading up on Friday to Northern Indiana to Lalamere, and then you're going to come down I-65 
And I think you are going to have, you've had some great days in Mackey Arena, but this is going to be, it may not be your best, but it's the fact that it's a bobblehead, it's IU, and you might even get a chance to give another rousing speech at halftime. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend for you. Yeah, I look forward to it. Uh, you know, when I got that phone call, uh, Sam was going to have a bobblehead. Uh, I was really kind of thrown back a little bit. I was like, wow, <laughs> you know, it's it's not quite like the jersey, but it is it is uh, pretty special. It, though. It is pretty. Have you seen it? And does it look enough like you that you're happy? Have you seen it? I, I, I'm not, I, I've seen it and I was a little surprised. Uh they said I had a mustache. They got me with a with a mustache, a thin mustache. So I was like, you know, I, I had a thin one, I guess, when I was in in college. So that's that's they said that's where they got the picture from. So it, um, I'm sure it's. I'm not going to complain. You know, no, it's an awesome thing, and and they'll be gone. Let's see, the game's at eight. The doors open at six thirty, and they'll be gone at about six thirty-five. So uh, make sure. Oh, well, see, yeah. I'm glad you said that because I didn't think the fans can get in until seven, but it's but it may be seven. I think it's either it's whatever they doors are open, they're gone in a hurry. And they'll be they'll be lining up and it for, for all of them. And I know that the ones they've done in the past, and it may be seven o'clock. I need to give oh, I could be wrong. Don't know. But what but whatever the case is, I'm you don't need advice on things like this. Get your stash, all right, before you go. Make sure they take care of you. Well, they said so, they will. So they're going to take care the, of you. That's the first thing I asked. I said, how many will I get? And they said, well, we got you. So, All right, yeah. I have to ask you, because you are in rarefied air, so to speak, in Purdue basketball history as a 2,000-point score. What crossed your mind when uh, number 15 passed you? And I know you, at least Troy, I remember, had attention to not you. You were always aware of numbers and things like that. But what did you did you did it even did you even know he passed you? Uh, and yet um, uh, it still is an amazing thing to be a 2000 point scorer at college level. Uh, he's such a great player. I mean, it's not a surprise that he's he's gotten over 2000 points. Uh, I know there was a particular game. One of my brother texted me and said, hey, yeah. they got you on the list here. I guess uh, Zach is on your back, you know. <laughs> yeah. well, I say, hey, hey, they can never take that away from me. So no, no matter what happens, it's my number always going to be my number. So but I'm always happy. I, I, I don't I don't get caught up, you know, like, oh, no. Hey, the more the merrier. Like I said, I had my time uh, playing at Purdue and I, would, I wouldn't change it for a minute. That time, 1985 to 88, uh, and one of the great recruiting classes, really a class. You know, I know Purdue won the Big Ten Championship in 84, and, and uh, but that Troy, Todd, and Everett, and Jeff Arnold and Dave Stack, I believe, are also in your yep. class. But but uh, I, I remember Dick Vitale all throughout the 1984 season talking about these guys. They could do that back then. They talk about Troy, Todd, and Everett coming to Purdue. And you didn't disappoint, but uh, that road was uh, was an exciting one. You know, you you look now, and you, as you coach kids now, and you've played a lot of basketball, uh, at, even after your days at Purdue. Is there a way to encapsulate what that takeaway is from that experience at Purdue, which was so successful, uh, two back to back Big Ten championships on down the line? What was that takeaway for you? Uh, just great memories. Uh, the confidence that I had with my teammates, uh, the coaching staff, obviously with Coach Katie uh, leading the way, the confidence that we had uh, going out and playing every game, preparation. Um, you know, I, I, 
I, I try to relate that to the kids now, just saying, hey, just listen, look at your scouting report, and just go out there and play, play to win the game. I said everything else would take care of itself, and, and that's that was so special about our team. Uh, we really didn't care, Todd Everett, who scored or who did what. End of the day, you know, when you got on that bus from Illinois, or from Michigan, or Wisconsin, whatever, and you you're flying home, you're feeling good about yourself, not because you scored any points, but because you won the game. Well, you know, you think about the culture. There's that's a it's a used word and a lot, kind of a theme of today's show. As our earlier guest with Chad Q. Brown and others, you had great culture. I mean, you had kids, you had guys, teammates that wanted to make it happen. And uh, even in your junior and senior years, even with Tony Jones coming off the bench, Stephen Scheffler coming off the bench, all tough guys that uh, that wanted to make it happen. And and even guys, you know, Mel McCants in the middle, Kip Jones, this was a very, very good basketball team from top to bottom. Uh, what, you know, you, even look at your sophomore year, 80, 85, 86, with Doug Lee in the year that uh, uh, you that uh, you, you started to see what you could be. Did, was there a turning point there that where you thought, you know, we are going to be really something special by the time my junior and senior year? I mean, you made the NCAA and were very good in 86 as well. But uh, was there a turning point moment for you, as you recall, looking back uh, at your time? I, I think really the turning point was when our, my, my freshman year, I, uh, yeah. to be honest with you. Um, I remember we, uh, Coach Katie had us playing against the, the veteran guys. That's when we used to be able to go on the road and play in, in, in towns, you know, right. games and you played at other high schools and stuff. And, and I remember one time he had us, uh, all of us freshmen, playing together. Yeah. against Bullock and Atkinson and yeah. we read and those guys, you know, they just won the big 10, you know? So, yeah. so I think the coaches thought we were going to get our butts kicked in the first half. I mean, we hung with them. I think we were down one point yeah. and we're at halftime going like, okay. And they came out in the second half, just put it on <laughs> watch and just kicked our butts. But I felt at that time, I was like, okay. I said, I said, you know, my boys, we can play. I said, we can play. I said, we can be, you know, stay with these guys who just won the Big Ten last year. We got a chance. And and I think after our freshman year, going into our sophomore year, I think, like I talked about, our confidence going into our sophomore year, we felt like we could we could be good. Now, as far as, you know, trying to win the Big Ten championship, we knew it was going to be tough because of Michigan was, was yeah. pretty low that year. My name Roy Tarpley wasn't too bad. Uh, years well, and others there. You played yeah, yeah. loaded big ten uh, for four years. From that standpoint, was good. The thing that was interesting, I think, about your 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 teams that they were just you great and 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 a, and a similarity to this year's team, from what I know of, of, of Matt Painter's team, good dudes. And now that doesn't mean you weren't competitive and nasty with one another from time to time, or had to be. Uh, but man, you guys are, you know, Mel McCants, you can't find a nicer guy, but he had an edge to him. Uh, Troy Lewis had an edge to him. Yeah. And Todd Mitchell definitely did. Talk yeah. about that of being guys that, you know, a lot of times you had smiles on your faces, you you played hard, but that that competitive fire there was uh, uh, was there in, uh, all the way through your, your entire career in those teams. It actually starts in practice. I mean, you can tell by going through drills and stuff how everybody was so competitive. I mean, they're fights, you know, yeah. ball uh, throwing, throwing balls at each other and, <laughs> and things those. like that. But off the court, but once that was done, the thing we had that no one took it personal. 
it was never like, oh man, I'm never going to talk to that guy again. And, you know, after we just had like, uh, no one is more competitive as Tony Jones. I mean, I know yeah. <laughs> here, I mean, he had this, but you know what? It Coach Katie was like that, you know, coach, we used to, have, coach used to play a uh, horse with the assistant coaches before practice. We'll be stretching. And when he lose, he would kick the ball up in the stand. Oh, yeah. And we'd be like, oh, man, we'd tell assistant coaches, come on, you got to let him win or practice is going to be hell for us. <laughs> you know? But we saw that competitiveness from him. And it's just, you know, our practice was like that. But like I said, once we walked off the court, man, we're in the locker room laughing, cracking on each other and things like that, giving each other rides back to our dorm or back to our apartments. And, and you know, I think that's what made us such a great team. Yeah, Troy Lewis had that beautiful jumper with the hand high. Gene Katie was right in front of him. And he's pushing that baby up there. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't going to emulate his shot. I can tell you that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I think not. But uh, yes, competitive and uh, and that uh, that was part of it. What will it mean to you? I mean, obviously the bobblehead and, and maybe a, a chance a chance to address a a Mackey Arena crowd. Maybe Purdue will be up a few points if you're doing it at the half. Gene Katie will be there as well. And uh, a man that, uh, you know, again, he, he competitive, probably at times after practice, you were not in love with him, mm -hmm. uh, but you did appreciate him. Uh, and certainly maybe as the years go on, you appreciate him more. But what does that mean? You know, the Purdue-Indiana game is this most special night of the year, to be honest, in Mackey Arena. It always has been when Bob Knight and Gene Cady were going. But what does it mean to share another one of those nights, and it's going to be 8 o'clock, and you're going to be all primed for that one. What's it going to mean to you to have, have the coach in the in the house, so to speak? It's going to be yeah, a, it always means a lot of getting a chance to see coach, uh, you know, uh, the influence he had in, uh, in my life, uh, not just me personally, but uh, with my with my family, he always treated my mom well. Once after even I left school, uh, so to, to be able to share this with him is it's special. Uh, you know, I was wish my other my cohorts could be with me too. My my brothers and uh, from another mother, uh, <laughs> you know, Todd and Ever, but you know they got previous engagements. But uh, yeah, it's always special, especially against Indiana. Place is going to be rocking, you know. The paint crew is, you know. I kind of wish we had something like that when we were yeah. in school. Oh, you know, but Mackie was rocking too. I always yeah. tell people like one of the loudest time is is uh, my freshman year when uh, we got down eight and we made a run against Indiana in the second half and and I like hit three baskets and I was like, oh my god, this this is this is really really different than. Uh, uh, than playing any other school in the Big Ten or any other opponent. But, yeah, it's always special when you yeah, play. Yeah, I remember that game. With, with, with Bobby Knight. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, that freshman year, you were down. I think Marty Simmons was playing, and you and yeah. you, had, you made on a run in the second half and, and got him. 86, you just kicked the crap out of him. I mean, it was it was like a it was like a game where uh, you couldn't make any mistakes and and they couldn't do anything, and you beat them, beat them badly, as I recall. Winning in Assembly Hall, which you did once, um, boy, in '86 you had them in the last minute and didn't didn't you had them he, way down in '88, came all the way back and in and the Vipers, Gene Katie would have called him, I think. But uh, talk about j just that rivalry and and the specialness of playing in both facilities because 
even as a player, there's assembly hall is uh, got to get your juices going uh, uh, just because of that atmosphere there, just like it does in Mackey. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it, the other thing about it is uh, me being from uh, Indiana, I had yeah. a lot of friends that oh, yeah. you know, went to IU. So classmates or, or people I went to school with or, or alumni back in my hometown, you know, I know Stu Robinson, you know, playing against Stu Robinson. He was from Anderson. Winston Morgan was from Anderson. I knew Ray Talbert, you know, they're all those guys from Anderson. So it, it always added that special uh, deal with me to try to win down there. It, but it was always tough. We, we knew no matter what our record was, um, you know, playing in assembly hall was, it, it was tough, you know, Especially, you know, you got a coach like like uh, Bobby Knight. That's you know their preparation and also their culture too. Is uh, you knew you had to come ready to play, and it didn't matter how how good you were or how bad you were. Those games were going to be tight and rough and tough. And and uh, you know we only got out of there with one victory out of the out of the four years I play. Uh, you know, I, I I do get a lot of questions about which you know what game that you know or moment. And, and, you know, I was in the game with the, the throw, the chair throwing thing, yes, but that's not my biggest memory. My biggest memory is I threw the ball away uh, our senior year. Uh, I think we were down, we were up one and we were taking it out underneath our goal. And I actually, I, I just threw this lazy pass because we've run this play underneath all the time. And it's yeah. all, I've always threw it in and, and I just nonchalanted it just a little bit, and Jay Edwards tipped it, and they got a steal, and they end up going down there and scoring. Yeah. And to this day, I always hate that because we were like you talked uh, mentioned earlier that we were down. You're down like eighteen or nineteen. Right yeah, there. we even got down twenty one because twenty one. That's right. Scored, they came out and scored at the beginning of the half, and we came all the way back, and I throw a a nonchalant pass. And I tell people that's what I remember the most of, of all the eight games, really of all the eight games, that's, that's what bothered me the most. I think the interesting thing is the competitors at your level, and I cannot relate to it, but they do, you all have, it's always the losses that you remember it. it and, and it's, it's not a negative way of living. It's just the way you know, it's because you're competitive. Yeah. That was the famous Gene Katie call. And he may never said it to you guys. He said it. I can remember him talking about the Viper, which was Jay Edwards. He came in like a wipe, <laughs> took the ball and, and whatever. That would have been the biggest ups, biggest comeback in Purdue basketball history. Of course, Jim Rowinski sadly passed away this week. That yeah. um, that get win at Illinois a couple when you were a junior in high mm-hmm. school was the was the greatest comeback. Boilermakers were down, I think, twenty in that one. But uh, yeah, I have to ask you too. The the um, games in Mackey in eighty seven and eighty eight with Indiana uh-huh. eighty seven. They beat you eleven down there. You yep. beat them eleven here, but just classic classic games of course and then in 88 they bring the lights in at cbs and and that yeah. was Gene edwards's yeah. freshman year i believe uh and uh and you beat them you beat them tough game but you still you beat them uh in in, in mackie but just that complete aura of bob knight gene katie the second that uh, those two got together and again because you're playing against friends guys you know yeah made that unbelievable unbelievable environment yeah, it because it, it, actually that that game in '88 because we lost that one because we played down Bloomington the first game. I believe that's right. And so when we had the second game, uh, 
I told Coach Katie, I said, the first play's for me. Yeah. So we're running this first play for me, and I'm shooting the first shot. I told I like, I am shooting this first shot, you know, because I want to kind of avenge what I did uh, down there in Bloomington. And uh, so I hit the first shot, and I remember uh, uh, Joe Hillman was guarding me. Joe and, Hillman, yeah. Great play. And I said, I, I said y'all ain't bleeping winning tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's interesting. There's a book that we've had Ed Snyder on that you you're part of their times in Indiana. Oh. My, and I don't know if you've had a chance to to look through it yet. Great stories, and you about Troy Lewis is in there. You wrote it in your own words. Ray Talbert's in there. Just growing up in Anderson and playing playing basketball, and how you guys that's uh, the common thread through the book is persistence, working by yourself to become better. Uh, as you grew up, and the smell of popcorn and gyms. I think that's the other thing that everybody everybody talks about. But talk about that, you know, that that the childhood that there were challenges always in childhood, and, and I'm sure for you as well. But uh, that ability to have that kind of talent uh, in your town, uh, not only at your school, but at Madison Heights, at Highland, at that mm -hmm. time. Unreal that uh, kind of maybe maybe fine tuned you and and your brothers for God's sakes I mean you you had enough talent in, in, under the same house to, to keep you uh, to make you the player that you were yeah yeah I was very fortunate to have uh, two older brothers uh, Kendrick and Scotty that uh, that pushed me and uh, but they also nurtured me to where they would take me to you know yeah, to the with them even though I wasn't uh, as big as them and things but they would uh, you know always make sure I least got on the court every now and then. <laughs> but yeah, growing up in Anderson, uh, I mean, it was, you know, they called New York, you know, messing the Mecca, but I, in our, in my mind, that little world, I thought Anderson was the Mecca of, of high school basketball because of the wigwam. And it uh, was, it yeah. was. Sports Illustrated wrote about it. It was. Yeah. yeah. And it was real fortunate because, you know, we, we moved around a lot. And then yeah. we ended up living with my my grandparents and their house was like you we can step off the porch and we can see the wigwam. Yeah. So I used to imagine as a kid, I, I would just we had the game on uh on the radio and I would walk outside and look at the building. And I I always said, I'm gonna play in there one day. Then my mom used to take us to the games and stuff and and uh, I know in, in the book, I talked about how the first time, you know, I wanted to be Roy Taylor and, <laughs> and uh, uh, they, <laughs> we get to the game, you know, the crazy story, we get to the game and, and I'm sitting there looking for 43 for, and I like, man, I was like, man, that doesn't look like Roy Taylor. The next thing you know, the game's over. And I'm like, we just got here. How's the game's over? <laughs> the next thing you know, boom, you know, the, all the, the, pageantry to you know the, the guys coming out big and stuff i'm like oh i was like my mom's jv oh, game this is the JV game this is that's when i saw roy for the first time live i was like oh here's roy you know so i, yeah. I love this story because yet the jersey you wanted to be was 43 right and yes. then you seen that and then you have to get the book it is a great book but what was interesting too, and, and Purdue people should not take a I, I did not take offense to it because you i think your last paragraph you said I'm an Anderson Indian. You're a pretty boilermaker too. I, I know that, but it's yeah. just that ability. And even telling the story about, you know, 
I, we, we couldn't afford always to go to the game. So sometimes we didn't, we listened to the game on radio growing up, but it was a huge deal to be there. Uh, and that, uh, that is a great, uh, a great tribute to uh, you, not only your family, but your persistence to, to be the player that you are. All right. I got to ask you now about put Troy Lewis on this Purdue basketball team. And I'm sure you've been able to at least watch a little bit of the Boilermakers that big guy in the middle is pretty good. Uh, this is a pretty good basketball team. I mean, they're they're they've they've got uh, all the pieces there, uh, and you guys did too in '88. But talk about talk about this uh, this group from what you see and what you like, uh, uh, and who you would have played well with in, in this lineup. Uh, well, what I like about the team this year, I mean, they're they're unselfish and they're a year older. I mean, it makes a huge difference. Like I talked about from our freshman year to a sophomore year, the confidence that we had as sophomores and they have the same thing now, especially with Zach Eady coming back. Now they got a guy that they all proven that they can play on a, on that level. You know, I think last year, you know, they, they got a lot of the hype. They were good and they were number one seed and could have been, you know, I don't know, not in their locker room, not in their practice, but you know, you never know. It could have been too much, but now I know for sure that they are, they're focused. They know what it takes. Uh, you know, Matt's done a great job. They know the system. They know to get it into to Zach, but yeah, this group here, I, I really enjoy watching them play. I mean, uh, Brandon Smith has taken a big step forward. I think that's the main key uh, why they're having so much success this year. Uh, he's playing with so much confidence, shooting the ball, uh, rebounding. As far as me playing, if I was, <laughs> I mean, goodness. yeah, that, that'd have been, uh, uh, that'd have been interesting, you know, but I wouldn't trade big Mel for nobody. No, <laughs> I love Mel. God, Mel and Mel was really good, but yeah. he was, yeah, he, he's that giddy. Don't get me wrong now. But yeah. Big Mel was, that's, that's big my Mel was only six foot nine. Yeah, so, he was only he's six foot nine, but he played his butt off, though, man. He will battle uh, and fight he, to the very end, man. Yeah, he was. And he had a little edge to him, too. Yeah. yeah you can ask. I can't think of the guy, from North, the guy from Northeastern when they got into it a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I need to uh, think of his name, but Mel reminded people that he meant this. <laughs> Mel used, to, Mel, Mel used to carry around. He used to, he was from Chicago, South Side Chicago. So he had a little. That little toughness, little. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that. Well, it will be uh, thrilling for Purdue fans to have you in Mackey Arena uh, and a very special night for you. Safe travels because you'll be making a doubt. For you. I got to ask you one last question about about how are the Centerville Elks this year and, and how you've done this now, you said, for four years as an assistant coach. What got you back into it? You said talking about the kids, but uh, what uh, it's been a fun experience, I assume, to be able to do that. Yeah, well, I, I was coaching um, for Springboro High School for a while, and then we then uh, uh, the head coach ended up resigning, and and then you know COVID hit, and so the the head coach, well, one of the coaches I was coached at Springboro knew the head coach here at Centerville, and uh, he kind of recommended me to the uh, to have him to have me on his staff, and and then. Uh, I watched them play. They're in our conference when I was at Springboro. So I knew about them. And I, I always, from a distance, you know, watched them play and how hard they play, how disciplined they were. And you can tell it was something different about this uh, this program. So when he uh, wanted me to be on staff, I I couldn't turn it down. And, and it's been the best four years um, as far as coaching high school basketball. 
uh, because we, he really does the things the right way. He tries to prepare the kids for college, yeah. uh, for life. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm all about. You know, everything is, you know, nowadays is the instant gratification because of yeah. all the social media things, which, you know, it's fine. I mean, every, every generation has their, has their thing and it's always going to be that way. So, but, you know, there, at the end of the day, you, you have to be respectful and, and, and love the game and treat people the right way. Wendy's Wendy's hamburger certificates did not replace NIL, which you guys had to had to had uh, those uh, things uh, in those yeah, days, yeah. but it wasn't quite the same as it is now. <laughs> no. it, it, I'm, I'm more I'm, I'm happy for the kids too. I mean, oh yeah, you have to be in yeah, yeah. I wish I would have had it, but you know, hey. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, it, great to we'll look forward to watching you on on Saturday night and and Mac. Yeah, looking forward to it. And yeah, coach will, uh, it'll be a special night, no matter. One last question: Your day job, you were t- t- you've been doing it for quite a while, but what what uh, yeah. what keeps you busy on a daily basis? I'm with uh, Victory Wholesale Grocers. Been with the company now for thirty years. That's um, great. So it's uh, it's a great company, family owned company. Uh, still going strong, and uh, the best part is I'm working from home uh, ever since COVID, and that's that's the best that's part. Okay of it. with you? That's fine with me. I don't have to go in that office, but uh, yeah, it's. And you do what? what do you do brokerage work? What what's your what's your? What's well, your... I, yeah, well, not brokerage. I'm I'm in the procurement department, which I, okay. uh, you know, Kroger is one of my biggest is my biggest account. So I deal with those guys every every day, and uh, you know, keeps me on my toes, keep my day busy, and. And then I go to practice at three o'clock, hang out yeah. with the kids. They keep me young. And so, uh, yeah, life, life is good. I can't, I, I can't complain. And, uh, you know, hopefully Saturday night, boys will come through with a big, big victory to make my night special. Even uh, though it will be special. That sunny disposition that you've always had plays well in the business world. It plays well in the coaching world. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Troy. Um, and I want to say thank you to State Farm Agent Trent Johnson. And Trent is my trendismyagent.com and triple X on the hill, but on the level since 1929, a tradition. I don't know that they, they ought to make, name a sandwich, a sandwich after triple yeah, I, I would love a sandwich there at triple X after me. We'll work on Carrie and Greg on that one. And we'll do that too. <laughs> Have a great trip down here and right. travels and we'll look forward to. Oh, before you go, I know yes. a good sandwich they will have. They can have a triple meat. They, they don't already have it called the three amigos. That'd be a great sandwich. You know what? We we have some connections and we could connect. I think that would be perfect. And you guys would be such good investors. Segment 3A, I guess you'd call this, but I would hate to put Gene Cady in that category. This is this is the this is the pinnacle of the show to have the coach on with us, Golden Black Live and uh our Saturday simulcast. But coach. You're going to get a chance to make your way up from Indianapolis uh, for Saturday night's game against Indiana, a team you're well familiar with. What do you think when you come back into Mackey Arena each time? I mean, it's, just, it's, it's going to be special for the fans. I'm sure it's special for you. Oh, yeah. I always think I was so lucky to have the best crowd of the nation a lot of times uh, per capita that it was just uh, unbelievable that they'd come out for all the games like they did. Your good friend Bob Knight uh, uh, passed away this year, but there are a lot of memories, great memories of those games over the years in Mackey Arena. It was it was the highlight of the season. 
talk about that and just that great competition that the two of you had and you had when you played Indiana every time. Well, Eddie Sutton had brought me back with him one time to meet Bobby, uh, yeah. assistant coach at Arkansas. And then that's how I got into really knowing him pretty well. And then after that, it was just kind of after I got the Purdue job, it was like, wow, this guy is unbelievable to be around because he was so intellectual in his uh, thinking about certain things that, that uh, I was a privilege for me to even be in the same league with him. Yeah. And you were in that league. You beat him more times than he beat you. Uh, I didn't didn't uh, remember that, but that's, yeah, that's that's okay. That's, that's that's left up for us statisticians that that worry about stuff like that. All right. We tried to win every game, but I didn't know. I didn't know, but that, uh, that was the case with that game. Troy Lewis also will be there tomorrow uh, and uh, Saturday night in being honored as well. And a special guy for you and those and the and Troy Todd and Everett in the mid 1980s really were were terrific guys to coach. Yeah, they Talk like, about Troy. Well, Troy was a guy that was easy to coach because he listened. He was uh, intelligent, and he was a very very good player and a great shooter. So that's a hard combo to beat. Yeah, he he was absolutely that, and uh, he also an Indiana guy, being from Anderson. And his mother was a big deal in 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 meant you. He said in the earlier interview how much you meant to his mother and you got along, and it was a great great combination. But talk about that, and and also the the families. And when you recruit guys, you recruit the families a lot, and uh, that had a lot to do with your success. Well, uh, you know, when I went into a uh, interview with the with the families it was like uh, talking to my family because they were always so cordial and and interested in the kids getting their education that was one thing I always try to really sell that if you come to Purdue you're going to have to go to class so we want you to get your degree while you're here so that was our, my biggest selling point because uh, the fact that he was a great player didn't mean as much as his degree would yeah all right when you come to Mac Arena and Lily your your friend Lily Sendek takes good care of you and gets and you and Kathleen come there. Well, what's it like for us, for us that can't relate, what's it like to be a rock star when you walk in? I mean, the place is going to go bananas when you're there, when you're there tomorrow uh, or on Saturday night. Uh, do, do you, do you love, I mean, even after it's been a while since you coached here at Purdue, but uh, people love you as much as they ever did. Well, I think the main thing is I want Matt to beat Indiana because it was, <laughs> it was a huge thing in our, in our portfolio that uh, if you could beat Indiana, you're probably going to be pretty good that year. Yeah. Well said. All right. Zach Eady, you did, you coached some good centers in your time, but Zach Eady is about as good as it gets. Matt's got a really good team this year. As you know, a lot of balance, a lot of things that uh, can make them successful, but have you ever seen a player quite like Zach Eady? No, I've never had a guy that never had a guy with seven, four plus <laughs> he's pretty darn smart. So that makes it doubly uh, pleasurable to be able to coach a kid like that. So he's not a kid, he's a man, but yeah. sometimes you slip and say kid. <laughs> yeah, he is He is something else. And you would love, and you've, I'm sure, heard from Coach Matt Painter the same thing. He is an extremely hard worker. He works hard at his craft. Uh, and uh, I, I know that, uh, that uh, you see that when you watch him play. Uh, he's just been been terrific from that standpoint. 
All right. Now, how long do you know what your plans are? Are you going to be around, be around for a little bit of time? What's your what's your plans uh, after the game? Do you know? Not after my wife. Uh, <laughs> it's mainly we're mainly seeing the Indiana game, and then we'll get home and take care of our pup and have a our neighbors are great, so we have a good uh, neighborhood we live in. So it's fun to be in Myrtle Beach. Yeah, no doubt. And the weather's a little bit warmer this time of year, but uh, uh, you will bring a lot of warmth to Mackey Arena tomorrow night. It's always special when Purdue and Indiana play and uh, when Gene Cady's in the house, uh, that uh, when you when you have the court named after you, that's even extra special when you play Indiana. And uh, I think that's going to be a very, very fun night for you and for everybody that's in, for Kathleen, for Lily on down the line. Uh, it's going to be a very special night for you tomorrow night. I hope so. If we beat him, it'll be really special. So that's one of those things you never know until you play the game. So we'll see. But I appreciate yeah. your comments. All right. We'll see as well. It's going to be a going to be always Purdue, Indiana is always interesting. Purdue beat them by 21 the first time around. It may not be this that easy this time, Coach. Yeah, it doesn't seem to always work that way, does it? No, it doesn't. It, uh, it's, you don't count on anything like that again. So that was very unusual to be able to do it at a third place. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and you had some success down there. Well, Coach, thanks so much for your time. Uh, we really uh, enjoyed you taking the time. And again, thanks to dear Lily for also setting this up. Uh, you're a great Zoomer. That's what makes, uh, makes it a lot of fun. But uh, we appreciate that. I want to thank Triple uh, X on the Hill, but on the level of Purdue tradition since 1929. State Farm agent Trent Johnson, somebody you know well, Coach. And, of course, the good folks at WLFI for making this happen, too. Uh, we appreciate uh, Gordon and, uh, and of course, Mary and everybody else that uh, helps get this uh, uh, show off the, off the ground. So have a great week, everybody. We'll be back next week on Golden Black Live. Uh, you don't get Coach Gene Katie on here every day, so it's extra special for us. But have a great weekend, everybody, and enjoy the game tomorrow night. Thanks again to our sponsor, the Purdue Union Club Hotel, Boiler Up Bar, 811 Bistro, and Leaps Coffee. We appreciate them very much. We also thank our guests, Ryan Newbert and Chad Q. Brown, Troy Lewis, and Gene Katie for a great show today. And a reminder that uh, you can subscribe to us on YouTube, or better yet, you can subscribe to us at goldenblack.com. Uh, the website uh, for Purdue information, certainly on football and basketball, our message boards, Knucklehead Central. If you're a Purdue fan, you ought to consider uh, becoming a subscriber. Uh, it is uh, the place to be for the Purdue sports fans. So anyway, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week in our next edition of Saturday Simulcast. <laughs>